Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. And don't hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. He's your host, Ben Mason. And he's your co-host, Sandra Luketic. And today we're talking 2005's Constantine. It's an old movie. It's it's an 18-year-old movie. Obviously, there's going to be spoilers. We have a sequel coming up probably next year. Sandra, this is your pick. Well, not really your pick. One of the movies from your list of picks. I chose the year 2005. Again, I like to stick mainly 80s, early 90s. But why was this one on your list? Man, it hurts just to hear that verbalized 18 years ago. Um. <laughs> Time flies, man. Yeah. Um, well, I remember watching this movie when it came out. And I could be wrong, but I felt like the discourse around it was that it was not very well received. However, mm. I remember enjoying it, at least back when I watched it then. And I hadn't actually watched it since probably like 2005, 2006, whatever, you know, shortly after it came out for rental. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd been meaning to revisit it. And I thought, well, this is the perfect opportunity to find out if if it really was decent or if I just don't remember how insane I am. OK, see, I remember enjoying it as well. I really like. Keanu Reeves. Uh, I knew this was based off of the Hellblazer comic series by DC Vertigo. I wasn't aware that um, the Constantine character came from the Swamp Thing comics, uh, and he got his own comic book in in '88, and that it was a British character. And most most events took place in London. Didn't know any of that. Just kind of went into the movie blind, and I I really enjoyed it then. I'm curious to see where this conversation goes now. I don't know if it aged well in 18 years. It, it may have for you. But what about, what, what about this made you want to revisit it? Why was this back on your list? Constantine is a character that prior to this movie, I didn't know anything about, mm-hmm. much like you had kind of alluded to. And not that it's been super recent, but like I really enjoyed the one season of the Constantine show we got with Matt Ryan. Um, who I thought was a phenomenal Constantine and is one of those shows that like, oh, I, I wish it had more than one season. And uh, his appearance or addition to the cast of uh, Legends of Tomorrow actually made me watch that show probably a lot longer than I would have otherwise. Hmm. Just because like, I think Matt Ryan as Constantine is just entertaining to no end. So, you know, it kind of kept that character a little bit fresh in my mind, even though it was a character that prior to I I had no idea who it was. So, you know, that probably just wanted to check it out and, and kind of see where it came from for, for me in any way, because I didn't have that comic book origin. Fair enough. I completely forgot there was a TV show altogether. Thinking maybe that's something I should I should dig up because I, I would like to see more of this character. I felt like we had some some really interesting bits of history referenced in the movie that weren't really fleshed out. And I feel Mm -hmm. like the way you're reacting to the TV show, they actually nailed it there. Yes, I will say this. Um, My feelings to this movie, whether it's a good or bad movie, we will determine. 
but I don't think it's as good of a representation of what this character should be as what the TV show was. The TV show just kind of nailed it. And I'm really glad that even like moving forward in the DC animated movies that they keep coming out with, Mm -hmm. Matt Ryan is still even playing the voice of Constantine. So um, like he's really, really nailed the role. The show like skyrocketed the character's popularity in my mind, um, or at least my own personal appreciation for the character. So it, it is definitely one that I recommend people watch if not for the reason that it ended too soon with only one season. And I wish there was more. Well, I've got some uh, some reasons why people should definitely watch this movie, though. From the director of I Am Legend, the most bastardized film version of my favorite novel, as well as the director of the Hunger Games franchise, and one of the two writers of this movie was the writer of Suburban Commando. Oh, man. We have, we have quality here. Yeah, there's some combinations right there. <laughs> I am Legend, The Hunger Games, Suburban Commando. What you get out of this is exactly what you would expect. I, I can't find an expectation based on a crossroads <laughs> of those franchises. <laughs> I really don't. If somebody said to me, what are you going to get from these three? I'd be like, I haven't, I haven't the slightest idea. Yeah, and it's... I don't want to say it's a mishmash. We'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to our feelings about this movie, but I know we have to play your game, and I think I might have one up on you this time. Okay, sounds good, man. I think I've got it. Okay. One actor. Yes. Keanu Reeves. That is correct. <laughs> I want to say three titles. Oh. Is it three? I'm not saying anything. Okay. Obviously, we have Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Which was an excellent episode. Yes. It was. Johnny Mnemonic. Correct. And the one I always forget, Youngblood. Ah, you nailed it. Fuck yeah, man. First time, I think, maybe. We'll go with it. First time. All it took was only having one appearance. <laughs> yeah, the most minimal amount. What's the, lowest I did it. amount. What's the lowest amount I have to remember to get an accurate score? This is probably it. I did it. Except for the week where we had none. That's, that's fine. I did it. I won. I fucking won. Okay. <laughs> Which makes that twice now. Yes. Perfect. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, there's really nowhere else I could take it from there. Might as well just get into the movie. Yeah, with uh like just text on screen. Uh, don't do that. Don't do that. I know, I know you hate this. That's it. At at the very least, have like Keanu Reeves narrated or something. Yeah. That would be great. Um, also, it's completely unnecessary. No, it doesn't really have a bearing on the plot. It's like, hey, you see these details? They might seem like they're going to be important. They're not going to be. They're, they're not going to be. They're not at all. But yeah, it says, he who possesses the Spear of Destiny holds the fate of the world in his hands. The Spear of Destiny has been missing since the end of World War II. Now, this brings me back to the old Wolfenstein games, where I'm like, oh shit, all right, I'm sold. Not really remembering much about this movie. I'm like, there's, I don't remember Nazis and the occult being in here. Like, the occult for sure, but bring that Nazi link in. And this movie's already better than I remember it being. We don't get that. 
if I'm not mistaken, Sphere of Destiny was even like the name of one of the expansions to Wolfenstein 3D. Yeah, it was the follow-up. Yes. Great game. Absolutely great game. Um, so where is the spear? In the ruins of an old church in Mexico. Seems about right. Yeah. No explanation. I guess hide it. Sure. Mexico. Fine. But it's found by a scavenger in the most shallow of hiding spots possible. <laughs> How has nobody just accidentally stumbled upon this in the years that it's been supposedly buried? Like, he pushes through it. Like, if anybody walked by, they would fall into this box that's covered by a layer of dust. And how is no one protecting it? If it's that important, why is nobody else looking after it? Well, no one's looking after it because they don't know where it is. They lost it. Weren't you paying attention? Somebody is always watching the spear. No, no, no. <sighs> Alright, <laughs> we're off to a great start already. <laughs> hey man, I didn't write it like this. I know. Thank you, Suburban Commando writer. <laughs> I mean, your expectation for fine writing shouldn't have been that high. Yeah, I enjoy right? Suburban Commando, but it's not for how good it was written. <laughs> Dookie. Dookie? Suburban Commando. Oh, wait, no, that was... Uh... No, that was, that was the wrestling one. Yeah. Come on, man. Why can't we remember that name? Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred. Thank you. Wow, we suck. Oh, we're terrible. I mean, yeah. you're, you're awful. Um, so yeah, immediately the scavenger is possessed. By what? We don't know. Why? We also don't know. Does it make sense? Not in the slightest. But he decides he's heading to California. Now, thoughts on the design of the spear. Are you okay with this? I would have thought they'd maybe make it a little bit more ornate or something. Yeah, it's just kind of like twisted with wire and it looks like copper or bronze coverings i mean I, I think it looks cool but i don't think it looks as cool as it should yeah um but what i really did enjoy was this dude getting smashed by that car i did not see that coming <laughs> they even hint at it and i missed it because the car is just flying by in the background while these two guys are just digging um but yeah, how the car just splits around this one guy. And you think he's dead because he's bent forward over what remains of the car. But no, he immediately stands up, jumps, and takes off. Looks fucking dope, man. It was really good, and I thought a great way to start off the film. The way that they um, do that car hit, like, out of nowhere, was just phenomenal. And it feels like it has such an impact. Yeah, the sound design in this movie is amazing. And they do this a few times. Like, that is, I believe, to be a successful, respectable jump scare. Yeah. It happens again with the bus uh, after um, John and Angela fight those demons in the street after he, like, burns them all and the bus flies by him in the background. That got me. Yeah. And there's another one, too, and that is where young John Constantine sees the demon on the bus, and then when he looks back at it, it's gone, and you get that jump scare right behind him. Like, that should piss me off, but it really worked for me. Yeah, that was a, that was a good one. Yeah. 
So from here, we cut to a rundown Los Angeles apartment building where a young girl's become possessed by a demon. Um, visually fantastic. The place looks rundown. It looks dirty. It looks believable. Um, it seems like a lot of movies that deal with possession deal with lower income families. It's always the poor that are the easiest to possess, which I find could could be a very interesting discussion. Not one I'm willing to get into right now. But um, I mean, I could make a very quick hypothesis on why that would work in movies. Sure. Broke, desperate families might be more inclined to resort to, say, stealing food to feed the family. Sinners. And then that act of crime or, you know, inappropriateness opens the door for the evil. Perfect. Yeah, we'll go with that. That makes perfect sense to me. Quick, concise. But we get our intro to John Constantine here, played by the amazing Keanu Reeves. Who doesn't love Keanu Reeves? Uh, it, you're a horrible person if you don't. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> what, are you, what are your thoughts about this character? Because this is a very different representation than we get in the comics. And as I said, I haven't seen the show, but I assume very different to the show. What do we think about the film version of John Constantine? This is exactly what you would think if a Hollywood action background is taking the character and putting it into film. Yes. It's been Hollywoodified. And it is absolutely not. Now, again, the first time I watched it back in the day, I had no point of comparison. So I don't know. But now I watch it and I'm like, this is not the Constantine that we should have. Like, there. Constantine is a brash, arrogant, but also <laughs> charming character. Like, Keanu, who is a phenomenal actor and I'm sure is just being directed to be this way, is just lacking that personality. But he's still an asshole. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always been that. Yeah. And that seems to be his main characteristic throughout the entire film. He's a, a paper thin character in his. In his performance but i think it's intended that to be that way i mean the character history is fantastic but it doesn't seem like everything he's been through weighs on him as much as it should in this movie mm -hmm. what um what do you think about his look like the suit tie 200 dollars shirt where uh, where where's the trench coat yeah right like that's kind of like the one thing that i've gotten used to being like his calling card is the trench coat where, where is it and the few things i remember seeing of the character before not having read the comics but knowing that he was around i thought he was a redhead or blonde um i always saw him as a blonde mm -hmm. i think one of the animated movies that i watched not too long ago had him a bit more of a brunette as well but okay um it was definitely a lighter color. Yeah. Jet black. Jet black here. I do like his look. And I, I love how they kept the chain smoking. Um, very uncommon in film, even in 2005. You're not getting away with it today. But it is a staple of his character. And I love that. We, we don't get this introduction right here. But I do want to ask you about your thoughts on his apprentice. Uh, Chaz Kramer played by Shia LaBeouf and his use of a taxi to get around. Hate this version. Interesting. I don't know anything else about it. Why do you hate it? Now, I don't know the comic book version, but 
and I'm, I feel bad because I didn't go back and look it up, but the portrayal of Chaz in the TV show season was absolutely the second highlight behind Matt Ryan as Constantine. And hmm. their relationship is so good in the show that watching this version where he's just kind of whiny and feels like just like a tag along hanging on to Constantine's coattails, it just didn't sit well with me. Okay. It, uh, see, I, I actually really liked it. I really enjoyed Shia LaBeouf in this movie. I don't know. And maybe if you watch this show, you might have different expectations. And perhaps it is unfair for me to use those in this analysis. But the the Chaz character in the show is so much stronger of a character. Which makes sense. You have more time in a TV show. Mm -hmm. But I found this character to be, yes, a bit of a trope that we see a lot. But he played it off better than most, I think. Yeah, I'm not saying that Shia LaBeouf or even this character, which I would be tempted to not even call Chaz, is bad. It just doesn't feel like the Chaz that I was expecting, which okay. maybe shouldn't be too surprising considering how much they changed Constantine as well. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, definitely somebody else's take on the story and characters. You're, you're not getting source material here. Man, I, I need to make you watch the first season, or the only season, of Constantine. <laughs> yeah, I'll check it out. Maybe uh, upcoming channel surfing. I would be totally down for it. Uh, anyway, J John was called here by alcoholic father Hennessy, played by uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince, <laughs> after not being able to exercise the demon. His name is Hennessy. I know. I, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> that is entirely my type of humor. <laughs> There's a bit of your humor sprinkled throughout this, for sure. We first first thing here that we get that I really don't like is okay. Father Hennessy calls John Constantine to the site because he's not able to exercise the demon, and of course, John being this big badass occult exorcist, I don't even really know what we call him yet, has no problem taking over and doing so. I, I do enjoy that he's so confident that this won't take long at all, that he just leaves his lit cigarette hanging off the edge of a shelf. It's big dick energy coming from John Constantine here. Well, I feel like with this whole type of play on exorcism, that we have to accept the fact that sometimes it's not the rituals that they conduct, it is the power of the, the person conducting the it that has a factor in it. And that's why Constantine is so confident. Like, for all we know, the father did the exact same thing, but just didn't carry the same resolve yeah. and wasn't able to do it. But and I find this strange because he has to rely on other people in the building for his method of exorcism to work. So if you're relying on complete strangers, don't be so fucking confident, dude, <laughs> because it, it fucks up. It, he almost gets fucked up in this scene. Well, the confidence could come from the knowledge of what needs to be done, yeah. not who needs to assist him in doing it. What do you think about the process of using that mirror to um, trap the demon? I actually thought that was a pretty cool visual. I don't know exactly how the, the demon jumps from the body through Constantine into the mirror, but it looks awesome. Yeah, it's a really cool idea, although once I think you try to explain it, it falls apart. But trapping it in that mirror and swinging it out through the window to smash onto the taxi below, I'm okay with it. 
Well, he did tell Chaz to move the taxi. Not far enough, though. Well, that's that's on Chaz. Yes, as we see. If I'm working with like an exorcist who is clearly possessing some supernatural abilities of exorcism, he tells me to move the car. I'm moving it, not just a few, <laughs> not like a foot. I'm moving it. I might be in the next alley over. Fair enough. I mean, obviously, we have to assume that that Chaz has been around long enough to know that shit will go crazy, and you know what? Sometimes keep your distance. Yeah, he should know that if Constantine gives him a directive, read more into it than what you're actually getting. I, I have to ask you about a big problem that I have, and I think you might too. Did you find the CG in this movie problematic? I won't say problematic. I don't think it was exceptional. And uh, I think as a result, they did a good job of kind of keeping it minimized. But you're not watching it for the special effects by any means. You're not writing home about it. After. No, I'd say I think a lot of people would be watching it for the special effects and would be disappointed because even even by 2005 standards, this is not the greatest. Like especially the demon trying to break through the girl's skin. Um, although I, I do have to say I really enjoy yet another jump scare. I'm I'm super impressed with the use of jump scares in this movie. Uh, the girl lunging at John was good. And man, he just cracks her in the face so fucking hard, knocking her out. I didn't know it was, uh, maybe I missed it. I thought it was kind of more towards the neck where it was trying to come out and he punched it. Well, yes, punched in the neck. Sorry, not But I still love the fact that like he's doing this complicated ritual, this delicate ceremony. And then as it tries to jump out, it's just punch it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like there's, a, there's still like a, like a guttural brutality to it, even if it is an elaborate, uh, like, ritual. It's great. Like, yes, we we both acknowledge this is far from the source material, but they are making it their own, and I, I'm already along for the ride. Mm -hmm. So we get a quick scene of John returning to his apartment, and I have to ask, because I'm not entirely sure, I think I have an idea, but what is the point of this scene? It's It's very brief. Uh, do you mean with like him opening all the windows and them being kind of like on a mechanism to do so at one time? Yeah, they definitely clunk like it's all a metallic thing to like keep demons out or something. But we never go back to that. Why introduce that? Why show us the apartment now? Because we're going to spend more time in it later. Is it perhaps symbolic? I think that he does all of these things. He just exercised the demon. And this is just a very, very basic visual representation of him trying to let the light in. I, you went deeper with it than I did. Um, I went right to the visual aesthetic. Uh, this looks right out of an old film noir. And I think the quick visual really helps establish the tone of dirty old Los Angeles. Uh, there's a lot of dust in the air. It's supposed to be modern day, uh, but yeah, a lot of dust. This man is very well put together, black and white suit. Uh, everything is dirty. There's a lot of brown tones in this apartment, which we will abandon later and I will reference. But right now, I think it's doing a great job of getting that warm, sticky, dirty, disgusting Los Angeles vibe that has been immortalized in films. It might not be accurate to real life, but it is the LA of the films of old. Okay. I think it was very well done. 
Um, so we get the intro to Detective Angela Dodson, played by Rachel Weiss. Uh, she's in a confessional booth. And here we learn a few things. She's good at her job, but also has this weird knack for knowing exactly where criminals are. And I'm sure this won't come up again. No, no. No. So cut to Isabel, Angela's twin sister, committing suicide by falling off the roof of a psychiatric hospital. And what I think is another really good scene. Break down to little things like letting her hospital bracelet blow away in the wind. Um, a perfectly centered shot of her falling through the glass roof into the pool below. Honestly, even right down to the transition from the dead woman's face to her sister being jolted awake. And this is why I brought up color in the apartment, because this is where the problem really begins for me. It's 2005, Sandra. We're in an era where films are using a lot of cold greens, blues, black. Like, think Underworld. Think the Underworld franchise. Everything. Underworld franchise. Oh, well, I mean, there's, there's some good ones, for sure. But everything is dark. Everything's green, blue, black, like I said. We had already set up that brown of the brown brown tone which <laughs> which I, I thought really helped make the movie feel dirty and now from here on the movie's got this really wet slick vibe to it and if i i was just not a fan of that 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 transition i'm not going to pretend like i paid that much attention to the colors used okay it's this this movie for me was very visual so things like that jumped out uh, but yeah, we cut to John, who's coughing up blood in his sink. Um, and then we get the reveal that he has terminal lung cancer. Next up, super problematic thing that happens in movies all the time that we've discussed, but I don't know if you remember. Uh, here, Angela investigates her sister's suicide, and we also get a brief intro to her partner, Detective Weiss, which has to be a nod to Rachel's last name. I'm pretty sure regulations would not allow a detective to investigate her sister's suicide. No, too close to it. Right? But it's it's a Hollywood movie, so it's going to happen. Yeah. And that's super frustrating to me. It's just for convenience and completely unrealistic, but I guess we're talking heaven, hell, demons, whatever. What did you think of the shot of the scavenger walking through a field of cows? Do you remember this? No. Oh my god, yeah. He like jumps a fence and he's walking down a road through a field of cows on, on both sides of the road. Uh, as he approaches them, as he's walking past them, each cow is just dropping dead as the scavenger's clutching the spear of destiny. I thought it looked amazing. It just shows the power of not the possession, but the power that the spear can wield. Two viewings. I missed that both times. Apparently <laughs> It's maybe 10 seconds long at most, uh, but super, super impactful for me. Huh. Next up, intro to John's friend, Beeman. Did you want to see more of Beeman in this movie? Almost like uh, John's Q type character. That's exactly what I was thinking. I would have been okay with it. Yeah, he could have been a super interesting character. He, he's kind of like um, Microchip to the Punisher. Like... He's the guy that supplies him with everything he needs to go on his religious crusade or whatever. Um, but yeah, just dropping off occult items for him. Uh, and I have to commend the movie one more time. Having John Constantine listen to jazz perfectly suits his character. We don't need him listening to music. Like, 
it's just something they threw in, but it it makes him more of a believable character to me. And now you've got the whole lore of like jazz and blues and the link to the devil. And I, I thought it was a really nice addition. I'm assuming that didn't jump out to you either, but I sell music for a living. So what are you going to do? Oh, I've let you down again. So sorry. No. The plot point of the demon he exercised earlier seemed to be trying to get out or break through, which is apparently out of the norm. I, it felt really heavy handed. Why is that? Because we didn't need it to be explained. It, it happens again and again and again throughout the movie. So you don't need to tell us when you're going to show us anyway. Yeah. They could have done it a lot more subtly. Like maybe if you punch the demon, it got like a singe mark or something. Mm hmm. And then have, you know, this guy ask, like, what happened to your hand? Oh, I, I just had to punch it back in. And the guy would be like, that's weird. They never do that. Yeah, that would have been great. You can do it a lot more subtle and not have to put such a focus on it and let it be a bit of a thinking moment. Yeah, uh, agreed. And that, that raises another question for me. Did this movie need to be two hours long? No, I feel like there's a number of scenes that not to say that, oh, the movie was unbearably long and I couldn't sit through it. I, I was fine with it. But there were a number of scenes where it's like you could have just lingered a little bit less and cut yeah. down maybe 15 minutes from just that alone. Yeah. And uh, this isn't a complaint. It's not that this movie feels too long at two hours. I, I hope that the movie we got is the movie that everyone wanted to present. But I don't think it necessarily needed everything that we got. I'm glad we saw it. I don't know what you would take out, but I think it could be trimmed down a little bit and just like a little bit of a, a, a faster film would have been a little bit more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So John and Angela encounter each other when she has a meeting with a priest. I forget his name. And John has to talk with Gabriel. I don't remember the priest's name. No, no. Um, I think I, I actually have it here. Um, I don't think it's important. Yeah. Father Garrett. All right. But uh, a rather inconsequential character in the uh, grand scheme of the movie anyway. Unlike Gabriel, who I felt should have been much more present in the movie based off of the role that they have later in it. I'm not going to ask you who <laughs> does Gabriel... It not feel, does it not feel like one of the weakest swerves that they could have had? It was so predictable. Even from this first meeting, you're like, uh, <laughs> something's not right here. I have to say, as soon as you see Tilda Swinton in any role, don't trust them. Never <laughs> fucking trust them. It's never going to go well. She's, she has such a unique look that I feel like she is typecast to play the questionable character. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they having trouble straddling a line? But Gabriel is an, uh, an archangel. Like, I, I, they keep calling them half-breeds. Uh, I, I do find Tilda Swinton abrasive in everything she does. I, I don't really know what I'm supposed to get out of their performances. I don't know if you recognize Tilda from anything. You've definitely seen them before. She's... I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's all, it always irks me. But I do love removing the, uh, the performer from the, from the character. I love how Gabriel keeps extending John's life so he can keep doing what he's doing. I kind of wish they went into that more, especially with a terminal illness. 
I wish they didn't go into it even this far. Really? Well, because it makes me question if you have that ability and you're essentially using this guy as a tool, why you would just slowly creep it along. Interesting. Uh, I think it could have been used as a way of... If, if we're giving this character a shiny new coat of paint, if we're going to change him at all, maybe make him a bit older than he actually is? Show that they've been doing this for a bit longer? I don't know if that would have worked, but it would have made a little bit more sense to actually have this, this conversation. I feel like it could have been a much, again, a quick, concise thing. Like, yeah, you know, don't forget who pulled you out. Do your job or we'll throw you right back in. Exactly. And then move on. Yeah. Do you know what was brief? The first conversation between John and Angela. And I have to say, Sandro, mm-hmm. I can feel the lack of chemistry between Keanu Reeves and Rachel Weisz in this movie. I feel like they should never work together, ever. Because I don't find their interactions believable in the slightest. I thought Keanu was just doing a great job making him seem like a detestable person that no one wanted to be around. Yeah, and he does a great job at that, but as the movie progresses and you see that they're supposed to become closer and closer, I'm like, I don't want this. I don't like it. I don't believe it. Just let him keep being an asshole, because I feel like that's who he's supposed to be. I don't need him to confess his woes. I don't need him to explain why he is the way he is to her, because I find that they don't play off of each other well. And at that point, you're like, well, now he's not the asshole. He's someone who's trying to reach out and be open and honest and share his feelings, but the chemistry is lacking between them, so you don't believe that she actually is accepting of it. She's just waiting to speak her next line. I guess I was a little bit more okay with it because I just felt such a resistance on his part to share this stuff. Which is fair. I feel like he does it a lot more openly later on, but I I get what you're saying there, so yeah. What I really want to hear your, your thoughts on are, what, what, what do you think of how Father Hennessy tracks down possession cases? Just roll the eyes back in the head and wave your hands over newspapers. I don't know how these powers work. It looks so bad. <laughs> hey, you know what? He could have possibly used the exact same method and maybe just they do it a little bit better visually, right? Because we are dealing with, like, the occult, supernatural, whatever. Rolling your eyes in the back of your head and scanning newspapers might be fine. Just don't make it look so bad on camera. Yeah, it looked really bad. It went from me being like, what the fuck is this? To Angela reviewing the video of Isabel committing suicide. And you see her and hear her whisper Constantine. I thought that was awesome. Especially when... Angela then rewinds the tape again, and the utterance is not there. Yes. Well, I think that must be a problem with QuickTime, which was the program of use at the time. Yes, that's what it was. (laughs) (laughs) There is no fucking way any audio would be picked up on that surveillance footage. That's what makes that moment so much better. Oh my god, no it doesn't. No it doesn't. You know what makes the scene even worse? After that happens, every phone in Angela's apartment starts ringing. Now, my question here is, how many fucking phones does she have in this one-bedroom apartment? 
Because there's like four different rings happening. That's the best part. She doesn't have any. (sighs) (laughs) Honestly, the newspaper like feeling session followed by the ridiculous surveillance footage and then the ringing phones. The movie's losing me very, very fast. Yeah, he didn't need to roll his eyes. Just close your eyes and hover your hand over the newspaper. Exactly. Good. It, It would just be just as good. And what what has been my biggest complaint of this movie so far? Um, I don't know. Colors? No, no, that's that's been a compliment. Um, given the 2005 time frame where CG has gotten better, that's not what we're getting. We get John Constantine vomiting up blood on the street at night in the rain. And then he has a fight with a demon made of insect. I was not a fan of this insect demon. It was awful, in my opinion. I don't like how it looked. I don't like how it sounded. I don't like how the scene ended. I'm just not a fan of this whatsoever. That's three scenes in a row now. This is not good. But it gets turned around in the next scene. Where Chaz takes John to a supernatural demon bar to to meet Shaman uh, Papa Midnight, played by Jimon Hunsu, who is, I can honestly say, phenomenal in everything I've ever seen him in. Yeah, he's great. Did you like the idea of this bar, like a neutral ground where angels and demons kind of coexist as long as no one pushes the boundaries? No. (laughs) Yeah, I thought I did. I don't feel like this clientele would even remotely follow these rules. <laughs> I don't see why this clientele would want to be there. It, it's not like, you know, you watch the John Wick movies, for example, which, you know, other Keanu Reeves property, yep. and they yep. have the hotel, which is neutral ground, because you're just humans. You break the rules, you'll be killed. Exactly. These are was- angels and demons thinking the exact same thing the entire time. This reminds me of John Wick. But again, like, it doesn't feel like they have any sort of fail-safes or anything in place to make you think that they're gonna follow the rules. Yeah. It's just we have to believe that the, (laughs) the ultimate good and the ultimate evil are just agreeing to follow rules. It, it, It makes no sense. We do get an intro to the character Balthazar, though. Uh, did you recognize the actor? Gavin Rossdale? Of course oh I my God. recognized Gavin Rossdale. I loved Bush back the in the first 90s. first CD I ever got was Bush, 16 Stone. 16 Stone's an amazing album. I, I will go out there and say that Razorblade Suitcase is one of my favorite albums of all time. And I get shit on it, shit for it constantly, but... Start to finish, that album is amazing. And Gavin Rosdale as Balthazar is even a bigger asshole than John Constantine, and I fucking love it. He's so good. He's Balthazar. He should be a bigger asshole. Exactly. But I don't really understand why he's here. Because he's technically a son of Satan, but the big bad that we get in this movie is the son. So is he not the son or is he like a stepson, a half son? Like why he's basically a henchman with no boss. 
I never thought about that. But what I did think about is after they kind of get into each other's faces a little bit, he's like, oh, I'm here for a meeting. We never find out why he's meeting with Midnight. No. No. We just just I guess we're just reinforcing the idea that this is a place for both sides. I guess. But I, I always look at Balthazar as the demon version of John Constantine. Like, they play off of each other so well. Except for the fight they have eventually, which we will get into and I will share my thoughts. <laughs> Constantine's apartment. We get the spider scene. Love it. Fucking love it. This is perfect. Traps it in a turned over whiskey glass, blows smoke into it and says, welcome to my life. The character is great. This version of the character I am enjoying. Uh, one line of dialogue in a very quick scene. The movie's flawed, horribly flawed. We, we have to admit that. But it has some absolutely fantastic moments. And then Angela has to arrive and tells John her story. She believes that Isabel was murdered. I want to say this quote, but I'm really worried it's going to be your favorite quote of the movie. Okay. John, his reaction to that is, yeah, what kind of metal patient kills herself? That's just crazy. John does not have time for any of this. <laughs> Quite frankly, if she had any idea, she would just walk in and say, I want to pay you for your services. Exactly. He's, <laughs> such, he's such a dick to her. It's like, if you had any idea... You wouldn't be trying to appeal to his emotional <laughs> side. Well, she's also like, I thought, like, since you're a detective, I thought you could point me in the right direction. And he looks at her dead in the eye and just points at the door. Yeah. Like, like you, you're not getting sympathy <laughs> from this guy in any way, shape, or form. It's great. It's really funny, actually. Like, Reeves acting here is deadpan acting. Phenomenal. But she does leave and we get the shadows of like the winged demons flying around outside. And for some reason, John just changes his mind and runs outside and fucking tells her the entire background of what's happening. I don't think it's that he changed his mind. Do you think he was worried? I think that he doesn't care to help her, but he didn't want to not like, he doesn't want to help her investigate, but he doesn't want her to die. And he can see that the demons are after her. And he at least has like a level of obligation to, help I guess, people yeah. that are in risk especially if it's something that is going to like raise his eyebrow on what the demons are up to well that's the weird thing though is that we have no reason for him to believe that they are after her he just comes to that conclusion immediately which is a bit of bad storytelling if you ask me i think it's kind of told just through the the happenstance that as soon as she exits, you see all the demons flying in the direction past the building towards the front door. That yeah, but we, we don't know it's the front door is the thing. All we know is that demons have been trying to break through to the living plane, and they've been doing so successfully now because John was attacked. We only know that they're going for her because we're told that later. He seems to realize it. But the audience is left clueless. And I think that's why on your second viewing, you know that's what they're doing. To me, I was like, what the fuck? It's just winged demons. They just flew in the direction that he pointed at the door. The wager between God and Lucifer, I thought was kind of interesting. Like, no direct contact with humans, just influence and see who wins. Yeah, 
I absolutely love this part where she's like, why would they do that? He's like, how would I know? <laughs> like, it's not like they sat me down and said, hey, listen, you know that theory about what we're doing? You're right, and here's why. <laughs> yeah. Immediately attacked by demons, like you said, who are after her. And then we get that bus jump scare, which I loved. Um, this all happens very quickly. Very, very quickly. It seems like certain plot points, they just rush through. They could have spent a little bit more time. This could have been like a really fun chase scene. Uh, but instead, it's immediately a confrontation. Bam, weird fire. All the demons burn up. So we jump to Angela's apartment where John conducts a ritual to determine if Isabel actually is in hell. A fan? Me? Yes. What's your take on this? Well, there's a plot hole here. Okay. I may have missed that. Well, he's going to check to see if she's in hell to determine if she killed herself. But we know nothing about the character. She could be in hell because she's a ravenous murderer. That's a good point. <laughs> like, I guess if for some reason we were to believe that she is fantastic and the only reason she would be in hell is if she killed herself. But that, that's not what we got. Yeah, I don't think at this point we even know why she was in the psychiatric hospital. Do we? No. No, she was having visions and unlike Angela, she shared them and I guess like after years of like her parents trying to do stuff and figure oh, it out, yeah. that's she right. ultimately got committed, but I couldn't uh, remember if we got that story already or if it happened after this. Well, I don't think they go as far as the 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 mental hospital there, but yeah. obviously they do allude to the fact that she didn't make her visions a secret, and you can kind of piece that together that yeah. people weren't overly accepting of that, right? The The ritual itself, though, placing your feet in water that eventually begins to boil, including the cat as a conduit, I thought was a really nice touch. Is is the cat alive? The, the cat is alive, yes. Okay, because I didn't like how he was holding it on the sides of the head, and I even rewound it after to see if they showed the cat jump out of his lap or scurry off the camera or something. But you just don't see the cat again. And I'm like, it, he, the cat's told her to leave, he told her to leave the room. Did, did he have to kill the cat to do this ritual? Please don't no, tell no. me he had to do there's no cat death. Don't worry. You're fine. Okay. What are your thoughts on this representation of hell that we get, though? What, the upside down? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Is it? At the time that we saw this, we didn't have as many of these um, similar type places, maybe a little bit in the old Silent Hill games. Yeah. But seeing just like almost a dystopian version of the world instead of the hellfire and brimstones is a nice change and a thematically appropriate tone for what this movie does with these things. Not a fan. Not a fan. And maybe it's because I've been soured on it by Stranger Things. I really wanted more. Uh, I don't think hell is a version of the world we live in that's just on fire in a crazy windstorm. I well, it might not have been the version of the world we live in. It's just a world. That a is... world, but like ruins of skyscrapers, cityscapes, stuff like that. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. What I did like is when it went subterranean from there, and you see people being torn apart for eternity by demons. Give me more of that shit. That's the darkness I want to see in this movie. 
I have to ask your thoughts on the design of the demons. Like they all have half heads. Nah, not not a fan of the demons. And th this goes back to what I was saying earlier that I'm glad that they kept it relatively to a minimum with the special effects for this stuff because they're not great. Yeah, they're not the worst though. I just no. don't understand why they're all so uniform. Would you have preferred if it was almost like a, not exactly, but like a zombie movie where it is just extras made up to look like demonic versions of people? Maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't dislike the monster design. Like having the half head, like the top half of their head removed. It, it looks really cool. It's just, it seems like a class of demon at this point because they all look the exact same. Give it a little bit more creativity. Maybe have various parts of the head missing, like not exactly cut off at the exact same point for all of them. But who the fuck am I, man? I just watch movies and talk about them. I'm no creature designer. You're allowed to have a preference, man. I know. Well, here, here's a preference I have. I love how when Constantine returns from hell, he has Isabel's hospital bracelet in his hand. Um, because that blows off in the wind at the beginning, and I thought that was beautiful. The fact that he catches it blowing in the wind while he's in hell and brings it back, I thought was fucking awesome. Almost poetic, you could say. Kind of like the shot of him jumping in the air. Yeah. Uh, and I'm assuming what he smashed was like a thing of like maybe holy water or something, but whatever it was to wake up from it mm -hmm. with all of the demons jumping up at him. Just an awesome image. Yeah, it looked great. Uh, also, the fact that he confirms to Angela that Isabel did indeed kill herself. She looks crushed. Father Hennessy in the morgue is a weird one for me. Why's that? Just like seeing the marks on Isabel's wrist. I also really hate that marking. It, it, like, it doesn't look religious whatsoever. It looks like fucking crosshairs on a rifle scope. I've always hated that. But yeah, he, he freaks out and is chased out of the building. And I think we get one of the most heartbreaking scenes in the film here. A mean, it's just a mean scene. Immediately tr trying to slam bottles of booze in a store, but is unable to do so. Like, unscrewing bottles, uncorking bottles, tipping them back and nothing's coming out. Uh, smashing them out of anger, just smashing the necks off of them and trying to pour booze down his throat and nothing's happening. It's a great scene because we're led to believe that this is the case. Nothing is actually happening. Nothing's coming out of the bottles. But in reality, he is guzzling this booze, giving himself alcohol poisoning, unbeknownst to him, and it's all because of Balthazar. Amazing. Amazing. And I'm supposed to believe that they would follow the rules of the nightclub. Yeah. Exactly. No, you brought up a very whatsoever. good point. <laughs> what do you think about Hennessy using the corkscrew to punch the marks from Isabel's wrist into his palm? It's kind of heartbreaking because that act is him knowing that he's not going to make it and he has to send a message forward. And like it's coupled with this image of, again, I, I think what you said, it's like it's in his head, but yeah, the visual image on camera of like sand pouring out of his mouth just mm -hmm. looked so brutal like drowning in sand 
I was kind of sad to see this character go. I mean, we uh, ripped on him earlier, but... I was fine with it. <laughs> I mean, if you were going to off anybody, this definitely had the impact that you would need to, to make the story feel more important, to, to definitely push things forward. So not the not the lost character that I felt the worst about, so. <laughs> the greasy diner scene is up next. Oh, yeah, because Constantine needs to eat. He has exactly. to recharge after the, the trip to hell. I, I love a good greasy spoon diner, man. I, I can't get enough of it. Give me eggs, toast, and coffee. I will be happy. But this is where John tells Angela his story. And we, we briefly mentioned this, but seeing demons at a young age, like on the bus and everything, but it eventually drove him to kill himself, condemning him to hell. But he was brought back with no way of undoing what he did. Pretty heavy. I really enjoy it. Yeah, there's even a, like a line where she says something like, you tried to kill yourself? And uh, he says, I, don't, I didn't take it down or anything, so... Yeah, clearly not one of my awards but he's like I didn't try anything right as in like not that he didn't try to kill himself he succeeded yeah it's very heavy handed yeah but very. it's done well because you can have the two meanings of that phrasing and obviously his is a much more tragic tale very much so is is this referenced in the uh, in the show I don't recall the show's main um emotional weight and motivation for constantine is that he failed to save uh, a little girl from going to hell hmm. and that's a, a lot of why he does what he does and drinks himself stupid i like it okay i'm sold on the show we'll do that um we we also get the explanation of the half breeds um and what like what they were talking about before the influencers from God and Lucifer. This seems disjointed, almost like it should have been referenced earlier and not explained now. I'm wondering about the editing of the film, if we're getting scenes just kind of shuffled together. But they get called to the scene of Hennessy's death, where, of course, they see the clue the dead man left behind. And this is where we actually learn, Sandro. This is where we learn that Angela and her mother had Isabel committed because of the visions uh, she claimed to have. And you can tell Angela felt guilt because she saw them too, but denied them, and in a way denied her sister. Exactly. Almost condemning her to death. And we get what I, I believe to be a really stupid reveal. A gimmick, if you will. Okay. Um, as children, the sisters would leave each other messages on windows that would be revealed by breathing on the windows. Mm-hmm. I think that's really stupid. They're kids, I, man. I know, but it... I mean, you're bringing in the spirit world here, but the fact that, first of all, they're in her sister's room. The sister has committed suicide. It's been a while since this happened. The room has been cleaned, but no one's touched the fucking windows? Because has Angela, it been that long? It doesn't matter how long, if, if it's been like a couple of days, like they already know that she's committed suicide. She's in the morgue, if not buried already. I'm assuming that people need the room. It is yeah. a hospital. It should have been cleaned by now. 
But she can just breathe on the window and see the message that Isabel left for her. If it's only been a few days and it could be potentially closed off as part of a police investigation, they might not have gotten to it right away. I don't think they're like, oh, we're hurting for beds here. We need this now. But it's not a crime scene. It's not, but it could be part of the investigation. Okay. I'll, I'll let you get away with that one. But once it's been declared a suicide, I don't think they're really going to be spending too much time blocking off the, that room. But the, the message left on the window references to, uh, uh, or refers to Corinthians 17.1. Except there is no 17th act in Corinthians. Well, not in our version, but in the version in hell, there's 21. Exactly. The Bible of hell, Corinthians, has 21 acts. Basically saying that Mammon, the son of the devil, will bypass his father and forge his own kingdom of fire and blood. But to do so, he would need a psychic and divine assistance. Originally, I believed the psychic to be Isabel. Spoilers, not the case. And divine, in a divine assistance? Gee, I wonder who the fuck that's going to be. No, they've given us no hints, and there's definitely no characters that seem... Like they're on the good guy's side, but don't act like it. Exactly. We know it's Gabriel. What? And then to, to make matters worse, we get Beeman's death scene. Which uh, is no, no, this guy should have stuck around. And it's a gruesome death, too. But yeah, he, I wanted more of Beeman. He was so cool. I wanted more of his story. Yeah. Even right down to the fact that He's living, like, he's got his weird, like, occult, I'm fighting hell workshop thing behind the scenes in a bowling alley. It's such a cool setup for a really cool character that we just murder immediately and don't get to learn about. I felt like we were cheated. Yeah, it's a shame. And they even had a, a pretty good rapport between him and Constantine when he's yeah. giving Constantine that, like, screaming beetle and constantine's <laughs> like do you have any cough syrup or i don't even he, he doesn't use the term but just like yeah. you know just alluding to it and the guy's like oh, this one's on this is on the house you know like i i could have definitely done with more of this guy in the movie yeah we needed that banter that's one thing this movie doesn't have that it really could have used comedic banter because like they give us a little bit with Chaz, they give us a little bit with beeman but we never get that connection with Constantine and other characters except for Angela, which I've already said I don't believe. So we cut back to the scavenger who's still on his way to L.A., taking forever. I completely forgot about him at this point, to tell you the truth. I haven't thought about him since the cow scene, which you missed completely. So I'm assuming you were like, oh, fuck, yeah, this guy. Honestly, even when you get to the end of the movie, you're like, this guy was not even needed in the movie. No, he wasn't. Angela reveals, finally, that she's also psychic. Fully reveals. My next note just says, I don't fucking care. I'm, I'm not sure if it's her acting or, like I said before, the lack of chemistry, but I'm not into this. John reawakens her psychic abilities. Not into that either. <laughs> How do you reawaken them, Ben? Apparently you fucking drown her in a bathtub <laughs> in a bowling alley. Yeah, I, I, I figure it was more just like you had to bring her to a near-death experience, but like, just the visual of Keanu holding her down, it's like, alright, well, I guess this is what we're doing today. Yeah, and, and another thing here, 
she's like, do I like do the clothes stay on or come off? And there's this weird pause and she like gives him this, this look and she's like, John, he's like, it doesn't matter. Or your call or something like that. Or leave him on. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Whatever. And she gets in the bathtub. I'm like, at least take your fucking shoes off. Like, no one's going to want to walk around in soggy shoes after this. Maybe she's going based on what she saw from him. Because when he went to hell, he put his shoes right in the bowl of water. I guess. Which is another question. Like, you don't, do you need to do that? Can you not just put your bare feet in there to go to hell? Can you not put bare feet in a, a, a pot of water and go to hell anymore, Sandra? Well, maybe if you do that, then what you're wearing is what you wear in hell, and you don't want to be in there barefoot, right? Yeah, so. I don't think dress shoes are going to do anything. Her fucking, like, Adidas runners aren't going to do shit except melt. Yeah, but, but, you know, it's better than bare feet, you know? Like, uh... I guess, yeah. I got nothing here, man. Come on. So Angela finds Balthazar's coin at the scene of Beeman's murder. And my note, again, just says, I, uh, fine, is anyone surprised? Anyone? There's no way Balthazar would be that sloppy. No. He's way too slick. Yeah. And he also would have no reason to take his coin out of his pocket or wherever he keeps it for this murder. <laughs> it's true. There's no way he would have that out. John arms himself with a weird cross shotgun and takes the fight to Balthazar. Uh, thoughts on this golden... I don't even know what this shotgun should be called. What do you think about this weapon? Yeah, it's a it's religious weapon. crossbow. Yeah. Thoughts on the fight with Balthazar? Can you call it a fight? No, because it's too fucking short. <laughs> it's pretty one-sided. He shoots Balthazar through the window or through the mirror, I guess. It's a one-way mirror? I don't know. I mean, it starts off with Balthazar winning because John shows up and the next thing we see is Balthazar choking him, holding him off the ground with one hand pinned against a mirror. But it's also too hokey because uh, John breaks out the fucking brass knuckles the bear crosses. I'm like, this is so stupid. So fucking stupid. Although... I thought it ended pretty well with John threatening him with God's forgiveness, and immediately Balthazar gives up info that they found the Spear of Destiny. Yeah, the part that really doesn't work for this is after, when John's like, you can't really be forgiven if you don't ask. And yeah. I'm just like, I, I feel like Balthazar would know that. He's too smart. He is too smart to fall for shit like this. Let's phrase it the way that we need to phrase it. He's too smart to be this stupid. Exactly. Like, first of all, he's super slick, super intelligent. He's been doing this for years. He loves fucking with John Constantine, and John hasn't been able to beat him yet. Out of nowhere, we're supposed to believe that Balthasar becomes so clumsy and forgetful that he'll murder Beeman, leave his coin behind, get into a fight with John, get tricked into giving up very important information, and then being fucking shot in the face. It doesn't make sense. I don't know. That seems pretty solid to me. I don't, I don't see the flaw here. Oh, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> so, yeah, they have the spear and now have access to Angela as the powerful psychic, as I thought it was going to be Isabel, and that's why they would have her in hell. And she just gets ripped away through multiple concrete walls. Yeah. It looked awful. Oh, oh she's good. 
Are you are you are you honestly fine with how that looked? <laughs> what do you want me to say, man? Like we're watching angels and demons and shit. Like just got to let some of these things go. I guess. I guess. I don't know. Do you do you really expect the scene in the movie to be like her dragged through a concrete wall and then the next the next clip she's just like her body is broken in 15 places? I would have been fine with that. Because they don't need her physically healthy. They just need an incredibly strong, powerful psychic. Anyway, back to the bar. Uh, finally, Chaz has a bit more screen time. Uh, I know you hate it, but I, I feel that his character is horribly underused, and I would love to see more of him. Well, that's just it. Like You, you feel like you don't need this character. You could have taken him and um, Beeman. Was Beeman. It? Yeah, you could put them together as one character and and yeah. given them like more combined screen time. Yeah, but it's like Chaz was John's method of getting around. We never see Angela driving anything, but John and Angela just pop up randomly around the city wherever they need to be. How are they getting there? I don't know. Chaz probably made the most sense, but why have him in the movie anymore? Yeah, but if you didn't have them in the first place driving them around, you'd never question that. Because it's a movie. You'd just be like, all right, they're at the next scene. Exactly. But it's weird to not see them travel. They just show up places. What did you think about the fight between John and Papa Midnight? I, 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 I don't understand pretty much anything that happens with this nightclub. Yeah. If yeah. Papa Midnight's going on about how he has to stay neutral... Why is he having, like, even an argument? And when John's like, oh, you're the only one who's being neutral, it's like, well, how does he not know any of this? Like, I did, it just didn't land for me. They didn't do it well. They didn't explain it well. They didn't cover it up well. I'm right there with you, man. Everything about this nightclub is problematic. Everything yeah. about this Papa Midnight character, problematic, except the performance, which I said before. No, he's great. He's so good. Uh, but even, like, picking up John and, like, burning his fingers into the shirt or into, like, his chest and dropping him after the fight's over. And John, completely out of character, just being, like, $200 shirt, by the way. Like, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think John's buying any $200 shirt. That's not a Constantine line. At least not for this John Constantine. No. So he, he, he keeps demanding to use the chair. And this is the second time he's brought this up to Papa Midnight. It turns out it's the old electric chair from Sing Sing. I don't get it. I don't want to get it. He just gets electrocuted in it, and it gives him visions tracing all of the steps the scavenger has made with the spear. And maybe it's uh, similar to awakening Angela's powers. He needs to be in a near-death state to get this information. And something that has had maybe hundreds of people die in it then being shocked, I guess, sure. But why does it allow him to focus on the one guy with the spear and from finding it to where he is in L.A. now? Like, again, we're just having to accept things that are given to us now. Before, they were giving us explanations, and now they're just expecting us not to ask questions. Yeah, I think you're asking way too many questions, dude. I know I am. Kind of like, how are they making holy shotgun shells? It's pretty much a standard scene in a movie like this. I get that. I don't know why all of a sudden Chaz has the ability to do something because we forgot he existed in this movie because they didn't care enough about him. Well, he's the apprentice, so he's, you know, he's learned some of these things. 
Yeah, you would think that would be something Beeman would have provided. Well, yeah, because that's what he did. He provided him with tools. Oh my god, I know. It's fucked up. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like I said, combine these characters. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to change the characters so much from source material, just make them one. I know I'd complain about that too, but it would make more sense in this scenario. Yeah. So, finally, Angela, after being ripped through so many walls, lands in a pool where her sister died and is immediately attacked by a demon. In the basement of the hospital, Chaz throws a cross in the water tanks of the sprinkler system, and John enters a room full of demons, holding his lighter under a sprinkler, setting them all off. Um, they all start burning, all these demons, and attack yeah. John, which leads to really a, a pretty fun action scene. Yeah, well, I mean, you gotta have some. And the movie's been a little light in that department. Did you have the same reaction as I did? In that I saw this and it just made me want to watch the blood rave scene from Blade. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. It was a really good one, right? Yeah. Because now the movie's all out bonkers from this point on. Yeah, it, it really has a tonal shift. Because they don't really go for an action movie early in the movie. It, it really is like a supernatural like murder mystery type thing. And then all of a sudden they just go all out action. Balls to the wall action. <sighs> Angela gets dragged to hell where she meets and is possessed by Mammon. I still hate that name. And now it's Angela versus John. I mean, great Evil Dead style makeup for Angela. But John tries to exercise the demon and instead it tries to rip through Angela's body. Again, horrible effects, but wicked idea. And then Chaz dies. Why? Because fuck Chaz, that's why. I'm not a fan of the Chaz character in this movie, but they use him so little that his death is just like, okay. Yeah. I had more of a reaction when Hennessy and Beeman were killed off. Chaz is just like, all right, yeah, he was kind of there and followed along a little while. And then and that, now he's not. Cool. Shock, Sandra. Gabriel reveals herself to be in cahoots with Mammon. What? Yeah, there's no way we didn't see this coming. There is absolutely no way. Uh, worst twist ever. At least they cover it up with really, really plausible motivation. Which is? Um, she's jealous of the leniency that humans get for just being granted forgiveness if they ask for it. Exactly. So. Help the son of Satan unleash hell on earth, and anyone who survives that truly deserves God's love. Am I right on this one? Is this how um, fucking weird we're going? You know, it sounds like it should be wrong, <laughs> but I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice um, that she's adorned herself with multiple hospital bracelets? No, I didn't actually. Yeah, like six or eight on each arm. It's a really cool visual. But she really fucks up Constantine. Uh, then prepares to stab Angela with the spear to unleash Mammon. Uh, John's reaction completely caught me off guard. I didn't remember this at all in the movie. And that is to slit his own wrists, prompting Lucifer to appear to collect his soul. Yeah, and they do actually slightly allude to this earlier in the movie when I believe it's Balthazar he's talking to and Balthazar says like 
you are the only like soul that Satan would come to collect personally. And he's reiterated that himself as the representation of Lucifer, played by Peter Stormar. Oh, why is he not in more of this? I know. He's, he's such a good actor. He is absolutely amazing in everything he has ever done and deserves to be in more films. I think we deserve him to be in more of this film. Yes. He is so fucking good. He looks creepy as shit, too. They did a great job. It's just sad knowing that this guy was available in the yeah. movie on the cast, and they're like, oh, well, let's make Gabriel the big yeah. baddie. So, Let, let's film all of Peter's scenes in two days. Why? Why would, like, unless you think that you're going to make a sequel and then make him, like, the big bad for the entire movie, which I would totally be on board for because he yeah. is awesome. He. He seems to know everything that's going on, yet somehow has no idea that his son and Gabriel have the uh, the Spear of Destiny. I don't understand that. I just don't. Yeah, motivations are not well planned out in this movie, dude. I love how he stops uh, Mammon's like, weird birth scene, though. He stops Gabriel from, uh, from stabbing Angela. Oh, some of the best visuals in the movie with this slow motion. Ugh. You can see the glass like exploding in the direction, but he's still moving. Oh, it's just so good. I thought it was too much, man. Really? The slow-mo was too much for me. Even like uh, the the Constantine going to hell to look for Isabel thing, like as as Angela's closing the door and you see her hair like swaying, it's just too much. Well, see, now that one I really did like as well, but that was more just because Earlier in the movie, he says something about how time passes differently in hell. Two minutes in hell is like a lifetime because time doesn't go. So doing the slow motion with her exiting and showing Keanu still going at regular speed is just kind of reinforcing that, that yeah. time moves differently. Yeah. Well, when, when you die, time stops almost. Well, I mean, in this movie, it does move, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? Of course. Uh, we get one of my favorite parts right here, though. Um, Gabriel trying to punch Lucifer in the face, but is stopped by God's will. Uh, my note just says, fuck, man. God and Satan working together to retain the balance is pretty fucking brilliant. Well, and I think that's part of it. I think that as much as Satan does know a lot of what's going on, though kind of blind to some of it, he still respects some of the hands-off rule. Yeah. Because, you know, he's in this... I will say competition or whatever. It's the half-breeds that are all trying to, like, break the rule. Exactly. Well, it's because they've been recruited by the son of Satan. Mm -hmm. So Lucifer agrees to send Isabel to heaven in exchange for taking John to hell. But Constantine's act of sacrifice allows his passage into heaven. Which I wasn't a fan of, although no. I did like it as a bit of a eureka moment. I'm like, oh, he outsmarted him. Yeah. What I like is what happens next. Because, yeah, I'm not entirely sure how, but Lucifer brings John back to life and cures him of his cancer. Yep. Stopping his ascent to heaven. And according to Wikipedia, I had to look it up. This mm -hmm. is Satan giving John the time to prove to himself that his soul actually belongs in hell. I don't know if it's proved to himself. I think it's more just slip up and end up in hell again because yeah. he's like you're not getting through on a loophole of one self-sacrifice here at the end i'm going yeah. to you know give you more time on earth because i 
I, as Satan, am confident you're going to mess it up. Yeah. And I love this part of it. Because, like, Satan's like, yeah, you know what? You outsmarted me, but I got you here. <laughs> you're not getting, like, at this point, John going to heaven would be his happy ending. He's like, I'm, no, not a chance. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. I've been, at this point, waiting for the movie to end. I'm done with it. But you get shit like this, and it's starting to bring me back. Oh, the visual of him reaching into the chest and pulling out, like, pulling the out cancerous the lungs? Yeah. Oh, it's so good! What did you think about the final encounter with uh, Gabriel, who is now human? <sighs> it's awful, and then Gabriel is all like, oh, you're learning, and like, shut up. Her, t her taking a shot to the face and experiencing physical pain for the first time like I already said I'm not a fan of Tilda Swinton but her acting here is top notch Yeah, like the shock followed by the realization and the acceptance of physical pain was really good and she, she conveyed that in maybe four seconds yeah I just didn't like the whole like changing her song and dance all of a sudden I I'm I believe she says, I'm proud of you, John. Yeah. And it's like, uh... Well, she's God. grasping now. Like, the wings have been burned off. But uh, John John gives Angela the spear and tells her to hide it. Where? Why? <laughs> Why the fuck would he entrust her with that? What's she gonna do with it? Where's she and gonna go? Th does the spear only impact certain people negatively? Because... We see this guy at the beginning. We don't know if he's a good or bad guy, but he picks up the spear and he just is possessed immediately. Possessed immediately, gets hit by a car, he shrugs it off, and she, she can just hold it. It's fine. But I feel like she has that uh, necklace thing on that uh, Hennessy had that kind of stops you from being possessed or stops like the bad voices from getting in. So maybe that was it. I don't know. It seemed pretty weak. Yeah, I just don't think they thought it through. No. It, it, it's not as weak as the ending that we get. We get the weakest fucking ending this movie could ever have. A voiceover. And it's not even a good one. I have it written down here. It just says, it's, it's John on a rooftop saying, I guess there's a plan for all of us. I had to die twice just to figure that out. Like the hmm. book says... He works his work in mysterious ways. Some people like it, some people don't. And then he chews a piece of gum instead of lighting a cigarette. Fuck right off. Yeah. Fuck right off. And it gets worse. It gets worse. Because we roll credits until the post-credit scene. Oh, there's a post-credit scene? Where John is at Chaz's grave. And he leaves his lighter on the headstone and turns to walk away. As we then see Chaz as an angel ascend into heaven. But maybe this is one of those situations where my constantly turning the movie off when the credits start was not a bad idea. Smart move. Smart move, man. <laughs> I didn't know there was a post credit. I still haven't learned. Maybe I never will. Don't. Because, <laughs> yeah, you might miss a good one here or there, but you're going to miss all of the bad ones. <laughs> so looking at, at what we just put ourselves through um what do you think the budget would be here and i don't i don't have a set answer it's number like uh, one figure to another that ranges like 30 million dollars so that should give you an idea it's pretty heavy um 50 to 80 
70 to 100. How much do you think it made? 50. 230.9. Whoa! Yeah. So I'm guessing it's because it was Keanu? I guess so. I mean, he, he's been a star for, what, 10 years at this point? Yeah, so, I didn't look at the timeline to see if, like, there's a, maybe one of his bigger movies that he's coming off the tail end of. I'd say more than, more than 10 years, because he'd already done, like, Point Break, he'd already done Speed, he'd already done The Matrix. Um, ratings, though. IMDb, out of 10, where do you think we're sitting? Four? Seven. Okay. Yeah, so keep that in mind when we go to the critics. Percentage of uh, positive reviews on the tomato meter? Five. 4.6, or 46. So yeah, 46%, you're right. I will give you that one. I, I meant 50. I just, yeah. yeah. Uh, audience? Oh, I feel like this could go either way. Um, 74. 72. Nice! Yeah. Yeah, uh, the critics not the biggest fans, but obviously it's a it's a cult classic film now, and and viewers do love it. It's found its fan base. But uh, let's let's hop into some awards here. Okie dokie. So, who did you have as your uh, least favorite character? Angela. Okay. Rachel Weisz. Uh, I just found the character annoying. Um, the plot elements that use the character are the ones I found the most frustrating of the film. Um, she is crucial to the storyline, I get that. But I felt that she was incredibly shoehorned in. I think, I think that's my problem. But performance, not terrible. Again, like I said, I didn't get the chemistry between her and Keanu Reeves. But, I mean, maybe that's also the direction that they were given. I don't know. But it just... She, she, the character felt out of place. What about you? I went with Shyla both as Chaz. Yeah, I'm not and surprised. Again, it's it's because of just how unnecessary this version of the character is, and how like I want to say this with as much negative connotation as I can because that's not always the case. How sidekicky he felt, like definitely so, felt like a sidekick. Yeah, like so irrelevant and unnecessary and part of it could be my bias to the much better version of Chaz from the TV show but like yeah this just felt like a character that really if you took him out of the movie the movie I don't think would change at all yeah so. what about uh, favorite character so I don't know if this is cheating and breaking our rule because of lack of camera time, but I went with Satan, Peter Stromier. Stro Stormar? Stor Stro Stromar? Stormar, S-T-O-R. Yeah, it doesn't mean I'm going to pronounce it right. Um, because this guy's just so phenomenal in everything he does. Yeah. And there's just like, even in such a short appearance, there's a cadence that he brings to the role. That if he was in this entire movie as Satan, like, like as soon as you see this short scene, you're like, I get why this guy was cast. Yeah. He fits like a glove into this role and actually makes me sad that we don't get more of this character because he should be in more of it. it yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I picked him as well. And it's because 
like I said, I brought up a problem I had is that if if Lucifer is supposed to be as not omnipotent, but knowing as much as he should, and he somehow misses the fact that his son and an angel are working against him, as soon as it's brought to his attention, he deals with it immediately and ruthlessly. And he is scary. And he 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 plays that out of just being incredibly calm and tense and slightly frustrated in his delivery. Like it's it's so good. And he is a commanding presence on the screen. I know we only got him for a few minutes, but god damn did he steal this entire film. Yeah, he re- like it's a shame we didn't get more of him. Yeah. Uh what was your uh most memorable or favorite um line? Um I had to go back and forth between two. Um one was and this I'm going to say this isn't my favorite line but it stuck out to me and that was john saying god's a kid with an ant farm lady he's not planning anything i'm like that's good what really caught me off guard is that my favorite line comes from gabriel and that is talking to john you're going to die young because you smoked 30 cigarettes a day since you were 15 and you're going to hell because of the life you took you're fucked like what a great way to set up that character what a great way to drive home that not only does John have terminal lung cancer, but there is a death that occurred somewhere in his life that we're not fully aware of. Did he kill someone? Maybe. That's how it's kind of set up. But we find out it's that he actually committed suicide and was brought back to life. That, yeah. That's a wicked line for me. Wonderful phrasing on that because... I think there's actually three ways that it can be taken. The way that it mm-hmm. actually is, the way that you just mentioned that he possibly took someone's life, as in killed someone, or like the lifestyle he chose, and it's just being verbalized slightly differently. And yeah. if you don't know the character and you're watching the movie and it's your first viewing, yeah, you hear that and you can go many different ways with it. And chances are you're not going to go the way that it actually is in the end making for somewhat of a surprising twist. Yeah, agreed. I'm assuming it's maybe your line too? No, no. No, what's yours? Uh, This movie is just full of things that I find hilarious that maybe aren't hilarious to other people. And this line was just absolutely hilarious to me. But when... He follows uh, Angela outside after seeing the uh, demon birds, or I guess mm-hmm. just demons. And uh, he's getting her ready for, I guess, a confrontation. She pulls out her gun and, like, cocks the chamber. And he just kind of subtly looks down at her and he's like, that's not really going to help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> it, it was. It was very good. I, that was uh, a contender for me as well. It's like, he could give her more information, but that's not his style. He's just going to tell her, like, that's useless. Well, what would be useful? And I'm not getting into those details. Just, <laughs> he's such a dick. What was your uh, memorable scene? Uh, I thought you weren't going to mention it at the last minute you mentioned it. And this is actually the one scene that I always remembered from my first viewing back in 2005 6 is when she says, can you at least point me in the right direction? And without even breaking eye contact, he just 
reaches his hand out towards the door and points at it. Yeah. <laughs> this is my, my favorite part. And even after two viewings revisiting it, it still remained my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, similar similar scene for me. Um, but it would be him trapping the spider in the glass and blowing smoke under it. I don't know why, just visually it stands out to me. It's uh, such as, a petty move. Because yeah. it's like, he smoked himself to death. It feels like bugs are very representative of the demonic side here, especially considering he just fought a bug demon. Yeah. And he's just like, you know what? This one lone bug here, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a jerk to because of what I had to go through. But this the thing so too is that he's he's an alcoholic smoker and he doesn't even finish the whiskey in the glass. He just slams it and dumps the glass upside down on the spider. You can still see the booze inside the glass running down the inside, and then he just lifts it and blows the smoke under it and puts it back down, and now the spider's trapped in his world of alcohol and cigarettes. I, I, I thought it was fucking great. Yeah, and I, I thought it was great because of how petty it is. Oh, it's super petty. Yeah. All right, so um, that's the awards. What are your final thoughts on... 2005's Constantine. Um, it's fine. It, it starts off really strong and falls apart pretty quickly. It's it, it is entertaining. Uh, a lot of the acting is. I love seeing Gavin Rossdale as Balthazar. I thought he was wonderful. Peter Stormare as as Lucifer. Great. Sadly, we only see him at the end. Tilda Swinton comes out swinging, which really caught me off guard. Keanu Reeves is great as always, but. The story just kind of flip-flops. And like I said, I love the, the, the color palette at the beginning of the film, but we abandon it for your stereotypical green, black, blue. Everything looks wet. Now we're dealing with demons, and uh, the story is not really going to make much sense uh, up until the ending where we just ram everything down your throat and please don't ask questions. It's, it's a fine movie. It's not a great movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. If you have seen it, you're good. I don't think you need to revisit it. What about you? So there's two ways to do a movie that's just okay. It's to pretty much have an average movie from start to finish. And then there's the way of having incredible highs and incredible lows that average out to an okay movie. And I think this is the latter. Where you're going to have parts, you're going to have casting choices, you're going to have moments that you absolutely love and are brilliant. You're going to have moments where you think the color work is great, a certain actor's appearance is phenomenal, but then you're also going to have parts where you just roll your eyes and you wonder how anyone thought this was a good idea. And in the end, it just balances out to an okay experience. And I, I think I have to pretty much mimic what you said. It's a fine movie, especially for one viewing, but there's... There's really no reason to go back and watch it a second time. And actually, after one viewing, the, the kind of length of the movie will be a little bit more noticeable because you know that you're going to have an extended runtime of not much happening. Yeah. So really, I say the character is phenomenal. And if you want more of the character or to dive further into the world, you'd be better served by watching the show, which was sadly canceled after one season. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, but okay. 
It's just your reaction to the show being canceled. Sorry. Oh man, if I ever made a list of like top shows that I'm like sad that were canceled too soon and I wish I had more of, it's probably top three. All right. Good to know. All right. So those are our thoughts on 2005's Constantine. If you'd like to share your thoughts with us, you can hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter at BS Bargain Facebook.com slash BS Bargain bsbargainbin.com and of course on youtube.com slash at bsbargainbin leave a comment in the comment section of this video ben yo feels like it's been a little bit lacking on ben picks lately it has so let's do one next week what 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 is that going to be well i ripped on you earlier for picking a two hour long movie and i'm gonna do the same to you next week which really inversely affects me horribly because i have to do notes on another two-hour movie yeah i just gotta but watch them <laughs> next week we will be covering 2018's mandy Until next week, have a good one. All the best.